Hallelujah. Father, we set our, our hearts in agreement with what we were just singing. We want to know you. We desire for revelation knowledge to flood our being, even this moment in time. We have expectation of the Holy Spirit's ministry to guide us in truth. May there be divine impartations of spiritual strength and power. And I thank you, Lord, as we yield this time, loving you with all of our mind and all of our heart. Lord, we shall continue in the process of being transformed. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. There we go. Hallelujah. What's our last time already? Yesterday I began sharing with you about the coming anointing in the previous three days. The focus was on our lives making a difference, which requires us to stay strong in the Holy Ghost and to keep ourselves in love with expectation of the mercy of God to be poured out in the midst of an evil and corrupt world where the Spirit of God's continuing to deal with people and that the window men's souls would open up. And at that point, the, uh, there needs to be a flooding in of all that we have in the compassion of Jesus. And uh, yesterday I was sharing with you some things the Lord revealed to me what's coming. There's an anointing that's going to come whereas you speak and share Jesus. That people, by the Spirit of God, not by your effort, not by you pushing anybody, you push, then you're going to have to repent because that's not of God. But that to bring them to a decision, an anointing to bring people to choose Jesus Christ, and it's what's already beginning to happen in the world. The Antichrist spirit is working to force people to choose him. Simultaneous to that, and greater than that, and more important than that, it's okay to know those things, what, what's going on in the world and what the devil's doing. It should never be our focus. If you ever focus more on what devils are doing than what God's doing, you're going to get off. So, it, you know, so we want some awareness, but what's more important is what is God doing and what is he intending to do that we prepare ourselves for that? So what do we do with knowing there's a coming anointing? We need to have expectation on that. Expectation. One of the things I learned from uh, Brother Earl Roberts listening to him, one of his big things was, Expect a miracle. Now, he knew the anointing was upon him to operate in miracles and healings. But he would build the people up to expect that, that their faith would be out to draw upon that which would be present by the Holy Spirit. And there are different ways the Holy Spirit will operate. And he doesn't always do the same things. Sometimes people try to hang on to something because they liked it. And they miss what he's doing now. So this is coming. 
expect that people are going to get saved in this quicker manner than what you've ever seen before. Well, you'll be surprised. <laughs> Don't limit God to whatever you've seen before. Okay, so in talking about the anointing, and we're talking about making a difference, and we were looking at some things that we need to do, we must uh, combine with that thought, what is the anointing of the Holy Ghost going to be doing in this time? So I want to share another uh, Holy Ghost anointing to come. It's, it's been, but it's going to be greater coming. So as a text for this, go to Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. Peter and John just took a beating for being used of God. They didn't do anything wrong. They operated in the power of God and the love of God. A lame man gets healed, 5,000 come to Jesus. <laughs> and as they move on here, they went. They were being threatened then after they got beat. And they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders said to them. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord. Now, before I get into their prayer, I just want to draw attention to the fact. What did they do when the attack came against them? They immediately went to the brethren to pray together. That was their initial, immediate response. We need to draw near together. Let's keep that thought in our mind. They lifted up their voice. There was a unity in the Spirit, in the Holy Ghost. That's not something that's fabricated by human effort. Over the years, uh, you, know, you hear people, oh, we're going to try and have unity. And some people mistakenly think that unity is to get everybody to agree. You can't do that. That's, that's vanity and foolishness in operation. How you have unity is if we all agree with God. Because he's right. And people have their opinions and their interpretations. And when people begin to put out what I think, and we need to talk it out till we all agree, and I want you to agree with them, nothing but division is going to come out of their efforts for unity. Something I'll say to my congregation every now and then, I'll say, I don't care what you think. Oh, and that can rub people the wrong way. But I'll follow that up with, I don't care what Bill Haig thinks. I don't care about my opinion. I don't even want to have one. All I really care about is what does God think? What is he saying to the situation? That's the beginning and the end. That's the truth. And people want to hang on to this right to have a lot of opinions about things. Now, some things you can have opinion. Uh, we'll call our carpet we want to put down here. I really don't think God cares. He cares about are we in unity of the Spirit when we gather together in his name? Is our heart pure? Are we doing what he's called us to do? He doesn't care about the color of the carpet. But when people have their preferences and they want to add an over-spiritualization, oh, we need to pray about the color of the carpet. Really? 
Is that really that important? So, see, that's where this opinion stuff ends up going, where people disagree about the dumbest little things. You know, you may have read books already or heard people talk about the Great Welsh Revival. Great Welsh Revival. I've been in Wales. Friends with a man of God there. And read the books. Heard all the stuff. We're riding down the road. And there's what you could see was built as a church building. Buildings. And now it's like an apartment building or something. And I asked the Welsh brother about it. And he he related to me back in the, the great move of God that we so esteem and glorify it only lasted a couple years now they say i think like 25 percent of the nation got saved and that the the pit ponies because a lot of coal mining uh they their the words that they knew as far as to do their job were all curse words and these people were truly transformed and their language changed and they couldn't use these pit ponies anymore because they weren't using the curse words. That's the only thing these, uh, these ponies knew. <laughs> but he goes on to say, you know, see, one of the things in that move of God, it was a great move of God, but they were so afraid of a man being exalted, they denied leadership and the fivefold ministry because a man might be exalted if a leader rises up, and there was no one there to set forth the doctrine of Christ, and they end up with all these opinions and arguments, and every church was splitting, splitting up like a, you, threw, you tossed a hand grenade in and blew it apart to where there was nothing just a couple years later. And they would what they were telling me is they had these, the stupidest arguments, like, well, how many angels can... Dance on the head of a pen. I mean, dumb stuff like that. But there wasn't the strong leadership to say, here's what God says. Here's what his word says. We'll agree with that. Opinion will only divide. Your pastor doesn't need to hear your opinion. He needs to hear from God. So therefore, he needs to spend time with God. And so do you. Amen. You pastors missed a, missed a great opportunity. Say, preach it, brother. Amen. Yes and amen. You know, that wears people down, and that's part of what Satan does, try to wear out the saints. He'll try and wear out ministers, and people pushing their opinions can wear you down. Amen. Now, if we're going to get new carpet, I'm generally not the guy that's going to pick it. I'm partially colorblind. <laughs> you don't want a partially colorblind person picking out carpet. But I'll find out who is the most, uh, in my church, who is the most knowledgeable in such things with aesthetics and all that and say, what do you think? See, there's a place for that. Amen. How do we get off and over on all that? One accord, unity. You know, unity is not something we fabricate in our own ability. It comes because we all start agreeing with God. And we're listening for what he's saying. 
And a lot of other things just don't really matter that much. Okay. Well, here they, they, they draw near together. They lift up their voice. They're praying. And they're praying from Psalm 2. And we're going to go there in a minute. And he says, down verse 29, Behold their threats, the grant to your servants with boldness, for we may speak your word. By stretching forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Now, it doesn't say Peter prayed, and a miracle happened. John prayed, and a miracle happened. They all prayed, and God did something. And this is an example of what we call the corporate anointing. The corporate anointing. And as we come closer to the return of Christ and uh, the work of God being fulfilled and bringing in this last great harvest of souls. There's an anointing on believers to sh go everywhere and share the gospel, and people will be brought to a choice, Jesus Christ or Antichrist. It's the only two choices. In decisiveness, there'll be no place. And there's a conviction power, just when you speak, where people are just going to, what must I do to be saved? Now, they might not say it in those exact words, but that is what they'll be saying to you. So don't be surprised when you see that happening. But there's also the corporate anointing. The corporate anointing. Now, in the Bible, when God speaks in the Bible of the Holy Spirit and his work, there are three concepts or words that encompass all of it. From Genesis to Revelation. God with you. God upon you. And God in you. God in you didn't take place till the new covenant, till after the death, resurrection, Jesus Christ, and he sent the Holy Ghost. He is your personal helper. He'll enable you to do all that you're commanded to do. Then there is the anointing upon you. And you can do a, a, a study. Here's a series for some of you pastors. You can study out and teach about 12, 15 weeks or so. Done it before. Been there, done that. This will preach for you. Just take off on this concept. Study the whole Bible. Look through the whole thing. The anointing upon you. So we talk about anointings on a fivefold or old covenant prophet, priest, or king. It would be the Spirit of God coming on you to minister to others or to fulfill a certain work, to accomplish a certain thing. Him upon you. Jesus said the Holy Ghost is upon him to preach the gospel to the poor and, and so on and so forth there in Luke 4. The anointing upon us the anointing in us. Now, the anointing upon you will not enable you to do the work. I'm called as a pastor. The believer's anointing doesn't enable me to do that. And the pastoral anointing doesn't make a good father out of me or a good husband or anything else. 
that pastoral anointings to do that job. That's upon me for that purpose. But the Holy Spirit in me enables me to live the Christian life that we're all called to in just the same. But then there's God with us. And we especially would see that uh, in the Old Covenant, like with Moses and Joshua and them, that phrasing was used a lot, or the corporate anointing. He would be manifest amongst the group. Manifest among us. God with us, which Jesus carried that thought through in the Gospels, and it's throughout the epistles. God with us. So that is a scriptural pattern still for today. The anointing with us, or I'm calling it the corporate anointing. I first heard of that in Brother Hagin's book on the anointing. He mentions that back there. The corporate anointing. So when we gather together and pray like they did right here in Acts 4, The joining of our faith together, if we're truly coming together in faith, hope, and love, has an increased level of power over just what an individual. Now, please hear me right. I'm not talking about there's an anointing just about miracles, because some people in their calling, the Holy Spirit's upon them to do that specifically. But we need to understand the concept that there is a, an increase or a magnification when we're all joined together and there's that corporate anointing or the Holy Ghost upon us together. Now you also add to that the corporate anointing in worship, praise, and so forth. As we come together in God's calling and purpose to worship Him, one of the things we should have an expectation of is a greater manifestation of the presence of God. Because together we're worshiping and praising Him. And Psalm 22 verse 3 says, He inhabits the praise of His people. So I expect that. We gather in, together to worship in my church. I'm, I'm expecting that. And whether anyone else enters into it, I'm all in, buddy. And I'm just so blessed. I mean, I could just sit down and go home because I've experienced the refreshing from the presence of the Lord. You see, that's on you whether you enter into it. But the more we all enter into that together and we cherish that and esteem it and apply ourselves, there is a greater increase of the manifest presence of God in the corporate. And what we want to expect with that is the ministry of healing to flow or for the Holy Ghost to be whatever people need him to be. So my expectation is just to come together to worship people receiving healings and deliverance from demons and peace. And they hear the voice of God. They see visions and dreams just in the midst of a pure worship of Jesus. Not song singing that makes you feel good. Not just coming and being happy. Whoop-de-doo! But really pouring all your heart out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you have to be careful. Anything we do, you can make a religious thing out of it. 
It's not about style. If you can worship with country music, God bless you. If you can worship singing opera, God bless you. If you can worship God doing headbanger music, God bless you. I don't know how, you know, I, those, are, those are three forms that would be hard for me. You know, you can get so accustomed to your manner. You know, when I go in other countries, and there's different ways they do it, and I can't remember a single English word in a song I've sung a hundred times. I enter in singing in tongues because that's about all I can do. But I yearn for the day I go back home to my home church where I'm planted, where I'm called. There's people who are called together. And just to enter into to that, just tremendous experience. When I, uh, for the first time in my life, admitted in the hospital, it was about five weeks or so ago, missed a couple weeks of church. My first time back, I'm, I'm just sitting there because I couldn't even stand up yet. Weeping. Oh, it's glorious to come and sit in the presence of God with the people He's called me with, worshiping the law of our heart. I'm just sitting there weeping, thinking, okay, Lord, you're going to have to release me of this. But it was such a joy. I only missed a couple weeks. I don't know how people do it. It's like go away for a month, or they, they're in and out of church now, and it, it doesn't bother them. I can't stand not to gather in the name of Jesus Christ and be where he's called me to be with the people he's called me to be with and giving all of our heart to Jesus. That's the highlight of my week. You need to get a life, Pastor Bill. No, I got a life. <laughs> that is my life. Hallelujah. And I love it. But that first week back, I'm just sitting there crying. And the church just exploded into worship and praise because their pastor's back. <laughs> He's raised up. He's back. You see, when you, when you have a love uh, for one another that's, like, real, that's, you, you don't have to, like, do be a cheerleader, drum stuff like that up. It's just there. Corporate anointing. So I'm expecting that even more. And you people called to praise and worship need that expectation. You're not doing a concert. You're not entertaining. And churches that do that are so missing the mark. They don't really know the heart of God very well. It's all about Him. It's not about us. It's not about how we're doing. It's not about our style. Learn to appreciate different styles. You might find one you flow with better, but don't exalt that. What God, you know, and God has this filtering system. He hears your heart. So those of you that can't carry a tune in a bucket, there's hope for you. My recommendations, if, if that's you, just don't sing real loud because you'll mess everybody else up. I kind of have to watch myself sometimes because I get lost in worship. And I, I might end up turning sideways and I'm with all my heart as loud as I can right in my wife's here. I'm six, like eight inches away from her. I, oh, sorry, Donna. But I've got to do with all my heart. So I just try to stay focused when I'm 
point and straightforward. You know, the stage monitors will be loud enough they can't hear me. Hopefully. Randy, can you hear me from front row when you're on the platform? There you do. <laughs> but I'm not doing it to be heard. It's all about all of the heart. It's an all the heart issue. So the Lord, you know, it'll get to it gets through his filter. Whether you can't sing very well or not, he he hears a wonderful sound. Hallelujah. <laughs> Corporate anointings. So my expectation, and there's some of this happening, or there's a man by the name of Sean Foyt, and God's using him to set up camp and parks and wherever, and it's being praising, worshiping God. People are getting saved, healed, delivered. Now, I don't say that to exalt him. I'm just saying that's a, that's a person that's doing it. It's happening already. It's going to be more. Expect it at a house near you. House of God. It's coming to a house near you. So I expect this. And over the years, there's times there's been some, some funny things, you know, where the presence of God, corporate, God might do something, and you don't, you're not even really, you don't really know what he's, even he's doing. I remember a couple years back, there was a couple ladies in my church worked at a place where they were uh, helping people who were mentally distressed, I'll say it that way, under the influence of spirit of fear, and they were staying in like a home or a place for them. And if they all agreed, they'd bring them all to church. I can still remember, it'd be different times, there was this one lady who'd fall asleep. She'd be sort of sitting on my left over here, and she would snore. And she wasn't like a big lady. You used to think of somebody weight issues, snores. She wasn't that big, but she snored loud when I was preaching. And this one time, I mean, she is like sawing wood, <laughs> snoring loud, and everybody's sort of trying to hold back snickering. And I was just trying to ignore it. And in a moment like that, you have to be careful. You don't enter the sin of judging someone based on the appearance. Well, what I found out was this woman couldn't sleep where she lived. Tormented with fear. Couldn't sleep. But when she came to church... The presence of God carried the peace of God to a level. It just put her right to sleep. And she could sleep in the church. And the Holy Ghost really ministered to me. Don't you judge by appearance, boy, because you might be flat out wrong. And if you're like, fool yourself, you could think, what's the matter? She doesn't want to hear the word. Bored with the preaching? What's her problem? No, the, the presence of God had such peace in the house, she could sleep. And that's what she needed, to be able to sleep. <laughs> so I share that, just sort of exhort you, don't judge by appearance. Things are not always as they seem, good or bad. Okay, with, with the corporate anointing, 
We need to expect in worship, expect in corporate prayer, the ministry of the Spirit to be released, for God to be all people need Him to be. Now, I'm going to say something that could be a shock to some of you. You might say, brother, you've already been shocking me. What do you mean? you got something even more? Well, I'm not trying to shock you. But 1993, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I don't want you laying hands on people every service. I mean, I could go crosswise like Pentecostal doctrine. And he said, the reason is, if you do that, you're going to train the people to look to you that they need to come to that meeting and that day, and that's the point of contact. I want you to teach them to believe me, to receive wherever they are, whenever they need, and to carry the anointing. Don't train them to look to you. So there's times I mean, I'll lay hands on people. I feel that's where it's going or where the anointing is. I, mean, I don't mind doing that. It's not like I refuse to do that. He said, don't do that every week. And you see, there are many who think, well, you didn't really have church. Now, if you're a Baptist, you didn't have church unless somebody got saved. Any of you come out of that? There could be a meeting Sunday night with 15 people. They've all been saved 40, 50 years. But somebody's got to come crying to the altar. That's just a, a different religious thought. Then there's many, the Pentecostal uh, realm where if somebody didn't get healed tonight, you didn't have church. If someone wasn't filled with the Spirit, well, what if nobody needs healing that night? Well, they're all filled with the Spirit already. You see, you can make a religious work out of anything, and you don't even realize you're doing it. And what's transpired, because some ministries were called to do that, like the, the power ministries in the 1950s, that's what they were called to do as God was restoring the office of the evangelist. People just so esteem that they think, well, that's what church is. But God wants us to gather in his name and to worship him first and foremost. Pray together. Hear the word that our minds are renewed by the word of God. And whatever else he does outside of that, praise the Lord good, but don't make a religion out of it. This has to happen. There are people that think, well, if there's not like a couple prophecies, you didn't have church. Because truly spiritual people, they all prophesy all the time. And there's times that's not what's needed. There might be a time where there's great joy and excitement, but in reality, the next time you gather, there might be a time and a place for weeping. So the point is, sometimes we make a religion even though we think we're so spiritual. You start magnifying what you're doing or how you're doing it. Now, let me get back to the, the point that I was beginning to make, and that is the reason... Like, we have to be careful. And those of you that are being used to the Lord... Uh, it, it, before people, you can train people to look to you, and that's a good way to get yourself uh, hand of God lift off your life. Because we have to understand the Lord is not sharing the glory. It's not about you, it's about Him. And 
if you begin to let people glorify you, and you just let them do it, because human nature will exalt a man and glorify a man. I think it was I think it was Oral Roberts said, or maybe Kenneth Hagin was one of them. Dale, maybe you remember that the Lord appeared to him and said, "If you don't stop the people from praising you, I'm going to take you out." Is that Oral? And uh, see, the, the more mightily someone's being used, the greater the temptation for people who are less mature to want to exalt the man. And that very act can actually cause a withdrawal of the hand of God or the anointing of God. Because we have to understand God being glorified is more important than anything else. You, you glimpse into heaven. God gave us glimpses into heaven. And what's the primary thing happening there? Every living creature there is glorifying God. Call it what you want, praising him and all that. I say glorifying him because when we hear the word praise, we tend to think of, I'm singing songs, but it's more than just singing songs. And that, Jesus said, pray that it be on earth as it is in heaven. How is it in heaven? Everything there exists to glorify him continuous. So when you live, learn to live that life on the earth, we're all for the glory of God. When you learn to live that life, then you'll function on earth like it is in heaven. And that should be something we desire. How long do I have, Dale? I mean, to what time? Ten after. Okay. One of the great lessons of my life came, uh, this was 96, I think it was, 95, 96. I was in my office praying. And just crying out to God, Lord, give me an old man full of the Holy Ghost. I need the impartation of an old man. Where are the old men full of the Holy Ghost? I'm sort of crying out to God. A couple minutes later, my secretary's knocking on my door. Pastor Bill, Pastor Bill, there's a phone call. You need to take this call. Because I told her I didn't really want to be disturbed or bothered. But she discerned the phone call. And on the other end, there's an old man full of the Holy Ghost. And a year before that, my friend who's a missionary in Columbia, mighty, mighty man of God, I would call him now and then, and he says to me, uh, Oh, Brother Arthur's in the States. Here's a phone number, call him and tell him you're my friend. And someday when God tells him, he'll, he'll call you and he'll, he'll show up on your doorstep. Because there would be times he'd literally just show up at Brother Randy's church in Cowie, Columbia from Wales. He would just show up right in the middle of a crisis, walk in, start prophesying to him. I mean, I was on the phone with him when he was happy. He's doing like a play-by-play by my friend Randy, of the prophetic word coming as Arthur just walked into the room, just showed up. And we all like say, you know, we think thoughts, you read a book or something like this. Boy, it'd be nice if I had that happen once. Well, anyway, it's a year later, and I'm crying out to God for the old man. I had called this Arthur, just told him who I was, and I was so-and-so's friend, and that was the end of it. Gave him my phone number. 
So I'm crying out to God. And now I had, after that, been to his place. He had like this, they call castles over there. This big house overlooking the Irish Sea. It was awesome. And outside there was this little garden area where he'd wait on the Lord. And I realized that would have been the afternoon over there. It was my morning. And he was sitting out there waiting on the Lord as his custom was. And the moment I prayed that prayer, the Lord spoke to him and told him my name. And inside his house, he had a little black book with all these names. And it would have took him like a minute or two to walk down there, go into the kitchen, pull out the black book, dial the number. The moment I prayed, the Lord spoke to him. And the old man, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, calls me and says, if it's within your will, I'm trying to do an English accent. If it's within your will, and within the Father's will, I will be there this week. I say, yeah. <laughs> and he shows up like the next day, hops on a plane, there he is. So we're sitting in a restaurant, and I have this burning question. It's a brother Arthur, which, by the way, he was mentored by Smith Wigglesworth. His wife used to house clean for Smith. So he, you know, he learned us that Dale was teaching these things about passing things on. And one of the first, when I first hungered for God, I went to a Christian bookstore, picked up five books. Now, back in those days, there weren't a lot of books like now. But some of the ones that existed were good books. So I picked up ever-increasing faith. Laying on a hands, Norval Hayes, ever-increasing faith with Smith. This one by a charismatic guy with the, on the Holy Ghost. And two Kenneth Hagin books. And I read them cover to cover probably like 30 times consecutive. Because that's all I... This was gold for me. I was hungry to know God. And at that time, because my father had died not too long before that I was hungering for the power of God. And the power of God was throughout those books, that ever-increasing faith. But I reread it some years later. And I, I, I couldn't see what I really needed to see, and that is in Brother Smith. The dominant thing was all for the glory of God. That was the secret to the miracle ministry that he had. So here's Brother Arthur, who was mentored by him. I'm sitting with him in a restaurant. I said, Brother Arthur, I have a question. What's the most important thing I need to know concerning the ministry? And he says, immediately, he says, it's not what, but why. All for the glory of God. And... That went into my spirit. There are times you hear things and learn things in your mind. There's times things go right into your spirit. You need to know the difference. I can recount throughout my life times things went into my spirit. Whether I'm just sitting reading the word, goes into my spirit. I hear someone preach. You know, the things that enter your mind, well, you'll learn to remember and apply and all that. But when something goes into your spirit, it's part of you. It's burning on the inside of you. There is a difference. This went into my spirit. It transformed me. 
it did something on the inside of me. It was a revelation I was yearning for. All for the glory of God. I reread ever-increasing faith, and I, I saw it everywhere then. It's like, why couldn't I see that 30 years ago? Well, I didn't have enough understanding. I didn't know what I didn't know. There are times you don't know what it is you don't know, so how do you ask for that which you don't even know you need? That's where the old man full of the Holy Ghost comes into the picture. Because they'll discern what it is you don't know that you need to know and wait for you to ask the right question and just dump it out on you. Well, it was 17 years later. I'm sitting in a pastor's office in a church in Nigeria. There's no power in the city at that time. Just a little window. We're sitting there in the dark, three pastors. Walk in there, have uh, federal police officers hired to guard me. That's weird. Good guys carrying AK-47s around, walking you into the church, staying outside the pastor's office. So I'm sitting there, and the pastor says, I have a question for you. What's the most important thing concerning the ministry? And I gave the exact same answer verbatim that Brother Arthur spoke to me, and it went into this guy's spirit. <laughs> All for the glory of God. You see, there are, when it comes to revelation knowledge, there's some things different people carry a stronger revelation of, and the, they can merely just speak it, and it'll go into you and transform you. Now, others might understand it, but there are things we all carry stronger. And if you don't, understand what's dominant in you, you will not understand how you influence people. But if you do understand what's stronger in you, you'll know how you're going to influence people. And all of us carry something. I have a certain brother in the Lord, the psalmist, and the word of the Lord to him and the work of God in him was carry the song of joy around the world. And you be around him, there's joy. Just to be around him was joy. Let alone he open his mouth and begin to sing the, the psalms of the Lord that the Lord gave him. And I use that, that as an example. If you're a grouchy, crotchety complainer, you know, when people think of you, that's the first thing they'll think, they'll think of. There comes old grouch. There's Mr. Bitterness. Here's Mrs. Unforgiveness coming somewhere to happen. Whatever's dominant in you, people know you in that way. And it's not something you try to do. It's just whatever's stronger is going to come out. And it's like that with revelation. You have a strength of revelation. Don't be afraid to just boldly speak it. Let it go into people. So all for the glory of God was life-changing, life-transforming. All for the glory of God. And the beauty of the corporate anointing, who gets the credit? You see, if it's the anointed Holy Ghost upon someone to do something, they could be tempted to take the glory, or people could try to give it to them, 
Because in people's heart to worship, they end up worshiping preachers sometimes or whoever was used to bless them. But they, and don't hear me the wrong way. I'm not against God using people in a singular fashion. I'm not against the ministry gifts. We need all of that. God spent the last hundred years restoring all of that. But there's something to be released that's even uh, greater than that or above that in a sense, in the sense of all for the glory. The corporate anointing, no man can take the credit. Say it's a group of 12 people praying, intercessory prayer meeting, God does a healing or miracle, which one of them is going to take credit? Who was, whose prayer was the mightier one? We see when you understand agreement and unity together, you don't even think like that. We prayed. The Lord did it. So my preference is the manifestation coming to corporate, you see, the corporate prayer, not so much about the man or the woman or you know, the individual, but in the corporate prayer. And in worship together, we're all coming and gathering to glorify the name of Jesus. And, we're, and it's pure. And, and there's just healings happening. Well, well, who did that? Jesus. Only he can get the glory. So there's, there's advantage in this. And I believe in this, as we get closer to the end... It's going to be more about the corporate anointing. And with all this social media stuff, the ability to take the glory is greater than ever before. You know, something happened, and people are going to post it, and they might put the words in their glory to God, but really in their heart, they want everybody to know, I prayed for that person, and when I prayed... God did a miracle because I prayed. Oh, you read that post. You know, when people give a testimony, one thing I listen for is, is the glory going to God or is it about them? Well, I, I did this and I did that and I did that and and Jesus healed, and I did this and that, and I did, I, 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 I. <laughs> it's all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, it begins with our expectation on that corporate anointing. That's to begin with what I want to stir in you. Begin to expect that that's coming even greater. We've seen it. We've seen it over the years. But I'm talking about greater. In a greater way. And God could have Brother John say, we're going down to Long... Is it called Long's Park? We're going down to Long's Park. Just going to take a couple acoustic guitars and just praise and worship the Lord. And I'm not implying you need to do that. Maybe he's already talking to you about it. I don't know. But... And Jesus just manifests his presence. Because believers are praising him. In the corporate anointing, don't underestimate the witness of the love of God in the corporate. It's not something we try to do. 
Some years ago, one of our men's retreats, someone brought a heroin addict. The guy was a Vietnam vet. He, was, uh, he actually was in prison at the age of 16 for murder. Life imprisonment at the age of 16. The military used to fish guys like that out. And they'd say, hey, we know you can kill. You don't have any family. If you come work for us as a soldier, at the end of whatever, eight years, you can go free. And they would find guys, no family, there's nothing to come back to. And they can kill. They've already proven it. They're in prison for murder. But anyway, this fellow, he was one of them. You might say, oh, our government didn't do that back in like 1970. Oh, yeah, they did. And he was a, a guy they dropped behind enemy lines with a mission to assassinate a, you know, like a colonel in the North Vietnamese Army or whatever. Well, he got captured and tortured. And he was one of these guys hanging in a, you know, they'd hang him in a bamboo basket. They shot his kneecap off. Went through a lot, becomes a heroin addict. So here this guy is, lingering around the streets of York. Someone picks him up and brings him along to our men's retreat. And for the first time in his life, he saw the love of God in men. And it blew his mind. Now, we were just doing what we do, being who we were. We weren't, like, trying to do anything. We didn't have some scheme, oh, we're going to act real loving and kind. We were just, you know, you've been our men's retreats. I mean, it's a celebrated time. And I would marvel as men from all different walks of life, different professional levels and all, this, all of that. We have one thing in common, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're here for Jesus, loving Jesus. That got into this guy's head, blew his mind. He left early and couldn't handle it. Went on a heroin binge for a few days. Because he couldn't get this out of his head. Finally, he comes around and gives his life to the Lord and tells me the story. But just the love of God in your midst, we, we can sort of take it for granted, like, that's normal. There are many people, and he was one of them, never saw love in his life. Would have hatred for his own family. I don't know who he killed, but that hatred there... And when they encounter the love of God in that corporate anointing sense, it's just present. Or for somebody else, it might be the joy of the Lord. Or peace is just present. I can sleep now. Don't underestimate the power of that. And it's not about us trying to do something. It's just being. If our whole hearts are just towards Jesus. Keep it simple. Love Jesus. We just come together, we love Jesus. 
there's a manifestation of the presence of God very strong. Well, Pastor Billy says you're going to go to Psalm 2. Don't have enough time to go there. <laughs> I mean, not unless I got another half an hour, I don't have time for that. But that's okay. I'm showing you here about this corporate anointing. Where I do want to finish up, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Wherefore, we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. And he mentions in the previous verse about the Lord's going to return to be glorified in his saints. Or in other words, we carry the glory of God. It's about the glory of God. What's the most important thing? All for the glory of God. All for the glory of God. Some of you have heard me preach this before. I don't care. Because it's one of those things that needs to go into your spirit. It's not about the mind. Don't just hear with the mind. Also hear with your spirit. All for the glory of God. It's the greatest thing, the most important thing. That's why you exist for that very purpose. The fruitfulness of your life brings glory to God. John 15 verse 8 states that. So... Paul's saying here, we pray always for you, our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Here's his prayer. We would fulfill this purpose, this calling to carry the glory of God. Yes, as an individual, we do that. But it's even greater when we come together. God ordained a people called together. That's the church. A lot of people want to just say, well, I'm just doing it as an individual. You know why they do that? So they don't have to be committed. Why don't they want to be committed? Then you don't have to walk in love. God in his wisdom ordained the church, the corporate because it forces us to have to walk in love. But many excuse themselves and they come up with all these excuses why I don't have to, why I don't have to belong to a local church. I'm part of the church at large. I wouldn't get too close to somebody like that cuz they're making excuses for their flesh. When you enter into a commitment and all the will of God, it's going to require you to walk in love, to forgive, to be long-suffering, to be merciful, and to be gracious. You have to have all of that. Because without that, we're not going to stay together. Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and you in him according to the grace of our God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, that the name of Jesus may be glorified. That's what it's all about. It doesn't really matter if we build something that man would say, oh, wow, look at what you did. Wow, that's a great church. Wow, that's a great ministry. That all has elements of vanity in it. But is Jesus being glorified? 
Is it about him? Is Jesus building his church? Are we working together with him for the glory of God? Brother Bob was hitting on these things repeatedly through the week. For the glory of God. All for the glory of God. Now, if you've not died to self and taken your place as a priest in the kingdom, loving just the worship of your God, you can't really embrace all for the glory of God. But as we as believers see how much he loved us to give us all that he's given us, and we love him and we just want to bless him, and even though you feel inadequate to say, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, you feel like I'm not doing enough. God hears the heart, the heart cry. And we need to keep that first love, as Revelation 2 says. We need to stay in love with him all the days of our life. We don't want to age and, and, and start getting hard and not even know it. The older I get, the more I embrace the simplicity of the word, the simplicity of my walk with Jesus. Love Jesus I used to have a saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, it's all about Jesus. Love Jesus, love Jesus, love Jesus. Now, I'm not just trying to be redundant, but rather in the simplicity of that, that's where the, the keeping power of God is. That if I'll just love him the same or more every day, I'll stay with him. I will not be deceived. I will not be taken down. My goal is to serve him all the days of my life and fulfill what he's called me to do and to hear, done, to hear from him, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm, I'm yearning for. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You see, I'm living from that point, bringing that right down to where I am in this life. Well, expect the corporate anointing. Expect that Elijah anointing. These are things we should have in our expectation. Just as you just keep walking with him, you're going to see him do it. There was a brother, Shane. See here? Your son-in-law. He's out with the baby to share with me yesterday. All excited. Can you share that in, in one or two minutes' time? Run up here. Because I have like two minutes left. This is blessed it just blessed me so much. And, and we all need just to have expectation. Absolutely, thank you. I thought he was talking about Shane Lehman. I was like, oh yeah, he's I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, well, quickly, yesterday, um, I had told my wife that uh, I was going to go over and get some food before um, the service, and time had just gotten away from us. So um, I was like, you know what? They're more important than this, so I'm going to go over and get them some food. So I was cutting into his time yesterday uh, preaching. And on my way there, the Holy Spirit was working on my heart, and he was kind of working on some things of, you know, what happens if you miss the entire thing because I have you witnessing to somebody? And I got myself to a place where I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with that. If that's what you want me to do, like, that'd be perfect because that's what we've been practicing here anyway. So I go to Wise, I get everything, and I'm waiting in line. And I go to this, I was going to go to the, interesting how the Holy Spirit works. I was going to go to the self-checkout, 
but I had some paper plates that were kind of just like laying out, and I was like, eh, I don't want to steal them, so I'm going to go through and see if they want me to pay for them. And I went to a, a cashier, and I laid all that stuff down. We were making small talk. I asked her how her day was, and she was like, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. I'll be done soon. And then she was like, how's your day? And I was like, well, interestingly enough, I'm actually at a uh, church event this week. And she was like, oh, you know, the thing about church and Jesus and all this, and she just opens up like a book. And just start sharing all these things. She was like, you know, what's this about, you know, Jesus? Or what do you think about this, about that, and this, about that? She said, asked me about uh, the LGBTQ and everything. And just like literally just opened up her life to me. And I spent probably about a good 45 minutes ministering to this woman about the Lord. And just sharing truth. And the Holy Spirit was there to answer every single question she had from Scripture. And she just you could tell on her face that she was like, I had never heard this before. I had never seen this perspective. And the one thing I said to her, and this is the last thing I'll say, um, she was like, you know, churches are always, you know, like this. And I was like, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever encountered the living Jesus? And she was like, the living Jesus? What does that mean? And I said, the living Jesus, who just like you and I are having a conversation right now, is currently, after he died and was raised from the dead, he sits in the same kind of body that you and I have at the right hand of the Father right now, you can have that kind of relationship with him. And she stopped, and she thought. And you could tell that there was something there. Now, granted, she didn't come to the Lord right at that moment, but there was a lot that was given in that moment that I knew the Holy Spirit's going to work on her heart. So. Work for God. Amen. Now, he didn't plan that. It wasn't like a a group outreach or anything else. It was just the Holy Ghost and being willing to stop and just talk to somebody about Jesus. And the Spirit of God's working. We just work with Him. That just blessed me when He shared that with me yesterday. Just expect that. I mean, just, it's not us trying to make anything happen. You just be available. What's that, Shane? <laughs> so um, when I had actually come back to the church, he was preaching on exactly what had happened at Wise. So it was just cool because I came back and he was talking about the, the Holy Spirit actually being with you and being able to tell you what to say. And so when I got back, I was like, oh, I didn't miss a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And she, she didn't curse you out, or she didn't run you off, or she didn't reject you. It's not that hard to share Jesus. Amen. Just loving people. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen.